As a PGA professional, I often find myself in situations where I feel run down, fatigued, and dehydrated. Whether it's a long day at work giving lessons or playing in an event myself, I know DF18 by DriveForce can help me get through. DF18 is a pre-round supplement that's added to water. Drink it on your way to the golf course or midday at work to get through that afternoon slump. Everything else is just for hydration, but DF18 helps with focus and stamina and boosts your overall health. Whether you're a golf professional, PGA or LPGA tour player, or an amateur golfer, DF18 can help you feel better and play better. Go to driveforce.golf and use my code BIRDIE15 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to Birdie Bitch. My name's Maddie Belden and I'm your host. This intro is going to be super short and sweet because if you can't tell, I'm sick. I do have COVID and I put off doing this intro because I had no voice and I thought it was going to get better, but apparently I thought wrong. Anyways, I spoke with Jordan Syatt. He is the owner of Syatt Fitness. He's a personal trainer. He's famously known for coaching Gary Vaynerchuk and he has an online coaching platform called The Inner Circle. He also has a book coming out. You can pre-order it on Amazon. It's called Eat It. And yeah, we talked about a lot of different health and wellness things and how his job with um, Gary Vaynerchuk was in a way kind of similar to being a golf pro and the stress that it can put on your body and how it affects your health and what are you know some things that we as golf pros can do to look out for our health and take care of things like our blood pressure. So without further ado, I will let you into the episode. All righty. So I'm here with Jordan Syatt. Hi, Jordan. What's going on, Maddie? <laughs> this is like the part where you say on your podcast, we can pretend like we didn't just chat for a little bit, right? Yeah. I have to say like the branding for Birdie Bitch is so good. Thank I'm, like, you. As you were, because before we started recording, we were talking, you were explaining it and like, yeah. Wow, you crushed the branding for that. I name. appreciate it. Thank you. I, yeah, I'm very impressed. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it just kind of came to re- to me randomly, and then people started saying that's pretty cool, and I was like, I think I had something <laughs> like that. But thank you so much. So, um, I just wanted to hear your story about how when you were uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, trainer, and you traveled with him all over the world for was it three years? I think years. Yep. Yeah. And I think, uh, your story can resonate with a lot of golf professionals because we give our life to our members or our course or facility for, um, a lot of people, 20 years, my dad was a head pro for 20 plus years. So, and it can really wear on you. Right. Um, so would you mind just giving us a brief overview of your, your experience training him and how that kind of like affected your, your health and how you got to your, your point of stopping training him. Absolutely. So, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Gary Vaynerchuk is one of like the most famous entrepreneurs in the world. Uh, just he's changed the game in terms of social media and content creation. And just, he's an amazing guy, but like unbelievable workhorse and just a very, very well-known entrepreneur. So I got the opportunity to coach him for uh for three years actually when i initially got the job i tried to get it down to two because i knew it was going to be very intense it was like it was the deal was every single day no weekends off 
no vacations, no breaks, no birthday. It's like every single day, seven days a week for however long we're going to work together. I'm coaching him and I coach him every single day. And then the thing about Gary is he's a very famous entrepreneur. We were traveling more than we were actually just in New York city, which is where our apartments were. Um, so he was in Hong Kong and he, he was in LA and, and London and Amsterdam and Chattanooga, Tennessee, like everywhere, all over. So we traveled more than we actually were home. And so I tried whittling it down to two years, but there's no negotiating it. It was like, it was like, yeah, could we do two? He was like, it's three or nothing. I was like, yeah. all right. <laughs> I mean, <Three> it is. <laughs> so, uh, so three years straight, seven days a week. If he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in LA, I was in LA. If he was in Amsterdam, I was in Amsterdam. But there was one time where we went from New York to Ireland. We were in Ireland for eight hours, got a workout in, went from Ireland to, uh, to, uh, where was it? Not Amsterdam. We went from Ireland to, um, fuck, what's that country? Completely forget the country. Anyway, somewhere in Europe, we went somewhere, somewhere else in Europe. Oh. And then we were in there for about 16 hours. Then from there, we went to New York or we in New York for less than a day. Then from New York back, we went to LA. We were in LA for like two days. Then from LA back to New York, that was just like one normal trip. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, just absolutely insane. And, um, Antwerp. That's where we were in Antwerp. Gotcha. And, um, I was like, that's going to bother me. This yeah. <laughs> if I can remember that. Um, so that was, that was my life for three years straight. And it was, it was funny cause I was his coach and, you know, I'm a personal trainer, but there was so much traveling and I, I mean, I had 80 one-on-one on online coaching clients. I was building my inner circle. I was like, I was posting on Instagram three times a day, every single day while I was doing all this stuff. And then if Gary would text me, he'd be like, Hey, I need a protein shake. I'd have to drop everything I was doing. <laughs> go get him a protein shake. It was 24, seven, 365 for three years straight. And even though I was a personal trainer and still am, and I got fatter, I got out of shape. I lost strength. I lost muscle, uh, just because I was so focused on my work. So that was for three years from June 1, 2016 to June 1, 2019. That's crazy. It kind of, because I've heard you tell this story before. It kind of gave me like, it reminded me of the golf pro basically condensed into three years. Like that seems to me like my dad's uh, career as a head golf pro um, just smushed into a certain like smaller amount of time because up here in the, in new England, you get the season's getting longer too. So it's about the middle of March to Thanksgiving ish time is when the golfers are here. And then you get a winter off off. I'm putting that in quotation marks, but if you're the head golf pro, you're still, at the beck and call of the members, your emails, texts, phone calls, all that stuff. And so it's just, it's a lot. And I think people are hitting their breaking points. There's a lot of people leaving the industry right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about what your, I know you signed a three-year contract, but did he ask you to renew and what was your, your thought process behind that? Yeah. He asked if I wanted to continue. And basically I was like, dude, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I love you. And, and we still talk frequently and he's amazing. And we're like, we're, he's like a father to me, but I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's just, it's not my life. I can't do that. And he totally understood. And it was totally fine. Um, but I, I'm still in the industry. I just, I couldn't do that anymore. Like that yeah. was taking too much of a toll on my health, my relationships at that point, it was hurting, it was hurting my business more than it was helping. So yeah, I, I had to get out of it. Yeah. Was there any like specific, health markers, would you say like blood pressure or anything like that, that you saw that you were like, yeah, I really can't do this anymore. Blood pressure was the big one, which, you know, I was 28 or 20, 28, I think at the time. And 
I hadn't really paid much attention to blood pressure, but I started to see it creeping up more in conversations. There were a couple of times, there were a couple of stories, specifically one I saw someone posted on Instagram, how their really good friend who was like 40 years old and super healthy and fit and worked out regularly was out on a boat with his wife and kids and on the boat dropped dead of a heart attack. And he, he had high blood pressure. He didn't know it. He just never checked it because he was, he was fit and exercised and overall healthy, never thought to check his blood pressure. And that story changed my life forever. I was like, Holy shit. Like I got to check out my blood pressure. And then I go and check out my blood pressure and it was high, but it was interesting because every time I would go to the doctor, it would be high. It would be like in the one forties. And Mm -hmm. every time the doctors would be like, Oh, it's probably white coat syndrome, which is like where, when you go into the doctor, you get nervous. So your blood pressure goes up. And so they all wrote it off for years and years and years. And so I was like, Oh, it's probably no big deal. But then I was like, okay, hold on. This is happening every single time. And then I saw a woman, uh, her name is Kate and nurse Kate on Instagram. She posted that she had a blood pressure monitor at home. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I'll just get that. So I got one off Amazon for like 20 bucks and my blood pressure was still high at home. And I was like, shit, this is not good. And I'm a huge (laughs) catastrophizer. Like I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to die tomorrow. (laughs) So immediately I was like, I got to get this under, under control. And that, I think, you know, that was the main impetus for me being like, okay, I really need to sleep more. I need to start getting my exercise and I need to start prioritizing my health, not just my client's health. And thank God I did that because now my blood pressure is the best it's been in ever. And yeah. uh, business is great and everything is as well. But I was like, I gotta, I gotta prioritize me right now. Yeah. And you have a, a baby on the way, right? So yeah, yeah, you gotta baby. be around and healthy for, for your baby. Um, can you talk about how you got your blood pressure to a healthy point. Um, just nutrition, exercise, all of the above. Um, cause I think a lot of golf pros probably do have high blood pressure and one, like you said, they don't know it. So I think a, a home, uh, blood pressure monitor would be good in every household. Right. But can you talk about how people might go about changing this if it is high? Yeah. So it's a great question. And when I think about changes people can make. I always try and start by the things we can add rather than remove, because I think adding things is a little bit easier than removing them from a habitual perspective, but I'll go over both. So from an adding is, is more walking was like the number one thing. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what a golf pro looks like or job looks like. So do they, are they walking a lot over the course? Like, are they getting a lot of steps in or you're, you're on your feet a lot. Um, I would kind of, it's probably similar to like a nurse, like you're on your feet moving around a lot, but it's not like you're playing golf every day. Okay. And you're not like necessarily walking all 18 holes the whole thing. No. Yeah. It's you're usually in a golf shop, um, like managing a tournament or maybe standing on the range, giving lessons to people, stuff like that. So you're up, but you're not getting steps in. I'm glad you, you clarified that because a lot of people confuse that with an active lifestyle. And that's actually not an active lifestyle. Like that, that is more sedentary. Even if you're standing, it's funny ever since standing desks came out, there've been this whole thing about like how standing desks are so much better. They're actually not necessarily better at all, especially if it causes back pain and you don't, it's not like you're burning that many more calories because you're standing. It's not. I've always wondered that. Yeah. There's research on this. You don't burn that many. And oftentimes you end up, you end up doing more damage because it hurts your back from standing up for so long. Um, 
I prefer people actually sit down at their desk and then get their movement in elsewhere. But for a golf pro who's, who's up all day, often I would imagine they might have some back pain and they're not actually moving very much, which is the biggest issue. So getting more steps in getting like, and literally I'm, this is number one. This is my first recommendation because this is by far the most important. If we look at societies and populations of people who live the longest in the world it's the people who walk the most it's like without question walking is the number one thing you can do so if you can add anything in like the the research is very clear going from like 2000 steps to to 2500 steps you see dramatic improvement in overall health from 2500 to 5000 from 5000 to 7500 every time you add more steps you see greater results in terms of mortality and health. We see that taper off somewhere between 12,000 to 16,000 steps a day, um, which you do not need to get that many. The the least amount, the lowest amount is 7,500. At 7,500 is where we we see the the greatest benefits start to begin. And then you see marginal improvements from 7,500 all the way up to 16,000. But I don't get anywhere close to 16,000 a day. It's like, as long as I hit 7,500 per day, I'm good. I've already got 8,900 today. So I'm good today. Like gotcha. the, the main thing for me and something I do is, and I don't, I would imagine drinking is part of the culture in, in yeah. golf pros. <laughs> yes. So I'm not going to say don't drink. I, that's going to be part of the, the things we can remove, but I will say for me, the way I know that I like, I love drinking. Just I love, I love alcohol. I love wine. I love last night. I had way too many old fashions. Like I, I just love it. Is I, I love the culture of it. I love just hanging out with people and relaxing. But I require myself to get my steps in before I start drinking. I just, and it's interesting because we all know how bad smoking is for us. Like mm-hmm. we know that. But what's really interesting is when we look at the research around the benefits of walking walking at least 7,500 steps a day has a greater positive impact on your health than smoking does a negative impact, which is mind boggling. Yeah, when I first crazy. read that, it blew my mind, but walking has a greater positive benefit than smoking does negative. So just by adding walking, even if you keep everything else the same, you're going to be dramatically improving your health. So that's by far number one. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I mean, i it goes without saying, but actually it may, might not go without saying, um, if you're overweight, that's a major risk factor for high blood pressure. I mean, over, being overweight is a major risk factor for basically every health condition yeah. for every negative thing that can happen to you health wise. So if you are overweight, walking can help with that, but getting your nutrition in check, making sure like you don't have to eliminate all your favorite foods, but eating in a calorie deficit and making sure that you're, you're losing weight and maintaining a healthy body fat. You don't have to be shredded. You don't have to like, look super, like I'm not shredded to bits at all. Um, but maintaining a healthy body fat percentage is without question, one of the most important things you can do. So keeping track of your nutrition, I would say, you know, I'm a huge fan of having at least one big ass salad every day. It's just a very simple thing you can add in. So adding one big salad to your daily routine, making sure you're staying hydrated, drinking water. I mean, these are all health tips that everybody knows, but mm-hmm. very few people fucking do it. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And, um, and so I would say big ass salad, drinking plenty of water, plenty of fruits and vegetables, all of that leading to maintaining a healthy body fat percentage. That's really what that comes down to trying to emphasize fiber. Women should try and get at least like 25 grams of fiber a day and men leading towards 45 or, or 40 grams a day of fiber. Uh, can actually be massively beneficial. Uh, it's also very protective against colon cancer, which we see huge rises in right now, especially in men. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the major things that you could really be doing. And then also if you're drinking a fuck ton, like every single night, 
try and reduce how much you're drinking. You don't have to eliminate it, but reducing it to a more um, sustainable. And the way I say, you know, I say this all the time, don't eat like an asshole. Don't drink like an asshole. It's like, we don't know the necessary definition, but you know, when you've done it, you know, it. when you've done it, yeah. yeah you know when you've done it. Like you don't need eight beers. Like you'd yeah. probably be fine with two. Like you don't need eight. Like, drinking eight isn't, is drinking like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Three fine. But like, and if your weight is an issue, if your weight's out of control, you've, you've got to get that fixed. Like, I don't care how healthy you think you are. That's the thing about blood pressure. There are no high blood pressure symptoms. There are low blood pressure symptoms, like getting dizzy and lightheaded, uh, maybe fainting. That's very common for people with low blood, blood, low blood pressure, excuse me, but high blood pressure. You have no idea. It's not like, it's not like your heart rate is going up. It's not like you, you can feel necessarily chest tightness. These are all things that might happen if you're having a heart attack, which could come from high blood pressure, but chronically elevated blood pressure, all of this extra stress on your arteries and all that, like you don't feel that, which is why someone who otherwise could be completely healthy could have high blood pressure. And so much of it is genetic. So going to the doctor, getting it checked. If they say it's white coat syndrome, don't let that fly. Be like, listen, I like, if it's consistently high, you need to get that checked and potentially even get on medication. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? Because I brought up nurses before in terms of like the amount of movement you get. But uh, I think golf pros are very similar to nurses also in the fact that they work different types of shifts. Mm. Um, so a lot of times I will, like today I worked seven to three. Yesterday I was 11 to seven. And the day before that I was seven to three. So <laughs> it changes and it changes every week too. So it's really hard to get into um, a good rhythm and a good routine of doing things, which I know at least personally for me to stay on like a consistent workout schedule and staying healthy with all my nutrition gets really tough during the season. It's easier in the winter when I'm not working. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think you do, you do train a decent amount of nurses and, yeah. and doctors, right? So what are some tips that you might have for people like that, that work different shifts um, just to get into, I guess, a better rhythm and staying more consistent with your, your workouts and your nutrition? Yeah. So it's interesting the two groups of people that I I've found have it the hardest are nurses and truck drivers. Mm. Um, if, I mean, truck drivers that are just sitting for like 16 yeah. hours straight nonstop. Um, so, and nurses, they have shift work. Interestingly with nurses, a lot of times they have their shift set in stone. So like it will change, but they know ahead of time, like, all right, like these are the three days I'm on, whatever it is, like it can be a little bit tough. Also firefighters as well. Um, but generally speaking, you, you need to come up with a plan for those days. And so coming up with a plan is always a good idea in general in life, but if you know, so it sounds like you have the seven to three and the 11 to seven, are those like the two major shifts you Mainly, work? Yeah. Yeah. So what I would recommend is I would say, listen, you should come up with a plan for your seven to three days and you should come up with a, with a plan for your 11 to seven days. And so it's like, cool. So I know on my seven to three days, I'm going to make this up, but let's just say seven to three, it's too early and you're not hungry for breakfast. So it's like, okay, cool. So on those seven to three days, you, let's say you do intermittent fasting. You don't eat breakfast those days, but you pack your big ass salad the night before you have that with you uh, on the course. I'm very ignorant with golf. So I don't know if I'm saying the right words. I <laughs> <Yep>. apologize. <laughs> no, it's but, okay. Like, yeah. You have them with you wherever you are. Uh, and so you, you plan ahead of time. So you have your certain days of the week. I know I have this, I know I have that. So that's what I would do when I was coaching Gary which it was very difficult because I wouldn't know things until like the day of, and sometimes like minutes before there were times when I'd be at my apartment, I'd get a text. Hey, change of plans. We're like, we're going to London. 
Like, so I got to fucking go, but I would have like my airport days and my non-airport days. Gotcha. And that was my plan. So I was like, cool. So when I know I go to the airport, this is what my nutrition is going to look like. And this is what my training will look like. If I'm not going to be at an airport today, this is what my training and nutrition is going to look like. And so I would try and take advantage of my non-airport days. And that would be like the days I was the most dialed and the day I was like, I got to get to the gym. I've got to do something on my airport days. That's when I had a little bit more uh, difficulty getting my training in, but I could, I, I, unless it was a ridiculously long flight, like the Hong Kong flight, I wouldn't do this, but like the London flight was often leaving from New York at 7 PM and would arrive at around 6 AM their time. And so I knew, cool, I can fast that whole flight. That's no problem. Cause like, I'll just, I'll eat my dinner before I go to the airport. Cause I don't want to spend that much money on airport food and junk anyway. So I'll fast that flight and then I'll have breakfast in London the next morning. So I came up with these plans that I just knew these were my airport days. These were my non-airport days. So coming up with a plan for your seven to three days and 11 to seven days is going to help you just stick with it. So if you know like, hey, seven to three days are easier for me to get my workout in because then I have from 3 p.m. until nighttime, I can get my workout in or 11 to 11 to seven days might be easier because you prefer to work out in the morning. It's 100% up to you, but come up with your plan that you know you can stick to regardless of your schedule. Yeah. I think that's really, it's simple, but it's, it's effective and it's helpful to think of too, because like the cycle of golf pros in new England is, Oh, we start in March, April, it gets super, super busy. And then you just eat, you eat junk food at lunch because everybody's getting takeout. And then you go home, you're exhausted and you have a drink and go to bed and you don't work out. <laughs> and then by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, it's like, oh my God, I gained 15 pounds. Like what the heck happened? <laughs> and then you grind through the winter and you lose those 15 or 20 pounds and then you do it all over again. It's like the same thing over and over. So I think setting those uh, schedules ahead of time, at least in the beginning of the season would probably eliminate a lot of that. Honestly, um, the best things that I've done in life, in business, in fitness, all of it is just writing down by hand my plan for something. Uh, it's funny, my wife and I, we stumbled upon old YouTube videos that I made in like 2012, 2013, which she had never seen before. And I was super young and nervous on camera, <laughs> but she thought it was so interesting. We were watching this last night. She was like, oh my God, you're saying so many of the same things that you do now. Like she's hearing me talk about in 2012, like young, young, young Jordan talking about, yeah, I'm writing down my goals. I'm writing down my plan for this week. Like writing all the stuff I'm saying right now is I was doing in 2012, writing down the plan by hand, not writing yeah. it in the notes on your phone. There's something about, and there's research on this. When you put pen to paper and you write it down, it's far more likely to actually stick. It's more likely to help. You're more likely to be actually serious about it because we can text and type things all day. But when you actually, how often are we actually putting pen to paper nowadays? It's when you put pen to paper, you put it up on your desk. This is my plan. It, it takes the anxiety and the ambiguity out of it. So it really helps. Cool. Here are my seven to three days. Here's my 11 to seven days. I know this is the day I got to get my workout in, in the morning. This is the day where I'm going to have a big ass salad at work, whatever it is. I'm going to have my water bottle, bottle with me. That was one thing I struggled with getting enough water. So now I always have either like a, a bottle of water with me, or I have like this Topo Chico, or mm -hmm. I have in the kitchen, my like big ice water bottle that like, I will put a ton of ice in and I carry that around with me everywhere just as an easy way. So I'm not, you know, getting soda or whatever it is. I just always have that with me. That's one of the things that, I mean, I have like three bottles already in front of me. Everyone makes fun of me because I buy a new water bottle like every month. Like my mom and my boyfriend are like, you don't need another water bottle. I'm like, but it's for my health. So it's okay. <laughs> it's a good investment. It's, yeah. it's better buying that than a lot. I don't know, like uh, crack. Like. Yeah. 
definitely. I don't know. That's the first thing that came. Definitely a better buy a yeah. water bottle than crack. That's <laughs> yeah, that's I would I would choose a water bottle over crack probably. Um, <laughs> can you? <laughs> could you also touch on to? I've listened to all of your podcasts. So I've heard you speak about this, but I'd love for everybody else to hear it. Um, you talked about walking earlier. Can you just touch on zone two cardio and mm. what that is? Cause I think a lot of people go to the gym and think they need to like run themselves into the ground or do these crazy, like hit classes. Can you just touch on that and how That's that can funny. help? I brought that up under the, when you asked the blood pressure question, but I didn't, I was like, number one, I'm rambling already. Number two is, <laughs> uh, sometimes people get lost when they hear like zone two zone, like, Oh, what are all the zones? Like it's, it's very simple. So basically Number one, this is going to be very helpful for blood pressure as well. Yeah. Doing zone two cardio, even like uh, two to three times a week at like t- between 20 to 40 minutes. So we'll call it 30 minutes on average, two to three times a week of 30 minutes of zone two is one of the best things you can do for your health. So the way I explain it is uh, zone one is basically just like walking. Um, you could, you could be walking on the phone with someone and unless you're, if you're very out of shape, like very overweight, very out of shape if you're walking, people can tell on the phone, like you're like, like you're breathing heavy. You like, yeah. we all like probably have someone in our life who's very overweight, who like just walking is difficult. So for them, that's not zone one, but for most people, zone one is walking zone two is, is slightly more than that to the point where if you're on the phone with someone, they will know that you're not just sitting down. Like they'll be able to hear in your breathing and in your voice that you're exercising, but it's not so much that it's impairing you from having that conversation. So generally speaking uh, about a 12, you could say a 12 to 15 word sentence without getting out of breath. Um, so oftentimes it's, it's speed walking or light jogging. Um, this is, I would say, especially for golfers is it, you don't need to be sprinting. And I think sprinting is going to probably do more harm than, than good, especially I, I, I've worked with a lot of golfers or rotation-based athletes, whether it's mm-hmm. golfers, tennis players, or baseball players who have a lot of rotation and the lower back pain is real. Yeah. Um, and so the last thing I want you to do is sprinting and getting all of that force going in through your, to your joints and hurting yourself even more. The, the majority of what I'd say is like either walking or go on the elliptical if you can swim, if you like swimming, go for it. But elliptical is my personal favorite biking as well. There's zero impact. It feels amazing. And just doing that two to three times a week at zone two intensity, where it, you should, you should not be going to a point where it's difficult to carry on a conversation. If you're doing, if it's difficult at that point, then it's, you're going too hard. And that's one of the reasons like, I like even more than tracking my heart rate or whatever, I just go by the, by that, like breathing principle, by the conversation principle. If I can have a conversation, cool. I'm in zone two. If I can't have a conversation, I'm going too hard. And I should say, there's nothing wrong with higher intensity training inherently. Like you can do it and there are benefits to it, but the heart health benefits, the majority of heart health benefits come from the lower intensity work, the higher intensity work is more important for, for like performance, especially for athletes who need like sprinters or uh, football players, or who need this quick, explosive, high intensity training, even cyclists when they're doing sprinting or like these quick, explosive type movements that need that level of conditioning. That's not as much heart health though. The heart health really does come from the lower, lower end range, the zone one, zone two, zone three type training. Got it. Yeah. I think, um, I think that could be really helpful for people because like I was saying, work-life balance is is really off in this industry. And I know we're not the only ones, but um, I was talking to my dad earlier and he was talking about, he just, so he just retired 
two winters ago from being a head pro right now he just teaches so he kind of makes his own schedule but he was talking about the the buildup of stress over time um from when he started 20 something years ago till now and like he just got into a rhythm of oh this is my life now I get up before the sun and I get home after the sun goes down and I'm stressed all the time and you just get used to that feeling which is terrible but it happens to a lot of golf pros um, especially with after COVID golf kind of boomed and everything got busier right so I think uh, something simple like zone two cardio that you can do just a few times a week can really help improve your your health when you're in you don't have a lot of time right like you don't need to go kill yourself at the gym seven days a week. Um, and I think, do you have any thoughts too on like, um, on, I guess that buildup of, of stress over time, um, with your experience of working in like a stressful job, like you had with Gary, like maybe some ways to combat that. If you had to go back to your job, how would you approach it differently? Maybe. Mm, that's, that's so tough because it- the way I dealt with it was quitting. Right. Okay, and it's yeah, like yeah. that, obviously that's not an option for, for many people. Mm-hmm. And especially like, if that's what you want to do, I mean, I knew if I had kept going, I would have ruined my relationship. I would have died early, you know, all this. So for me, it was like, I've got to, I've got to stop. And yeah. it, to be fair, coaching Gary wasn't it wasn't my long-term plan. That wasn't my, like, that wasn't my dream. My dream was, you know, to, to build my own business. Um, and now I still have a lot of stress, but the amount of stress that I had with Gary versus now is it's way, way, yeah. way, way less. Um, I really, I wish I, I wish <laughs> I'm a question. Sure <laughs> like it's, it's so different for everyone. And like, I don't want to give the cliche answers, like make sure you're getting good sleep and make yeah. sure like, it's like bullshit answers. It's, I really think like doing what you can do to prioritize yourself and, and get used to saying no, like it's okay to say no, to tell like people in other areas or like, if you need to take on fewer clients, take on fewer clients. I think a lot of people, I think money stresses most, if not everybody out. Um, and I don't know the golf pro life. I don't, I don't know it, but I would imagine, you know, taking on more clients to make more money, spending more time there. It's like, we, you don't, you don't necessarily, more money isn't always the right answer, especially if it's going to really take a, a huge hit to your health. Yeah. And I think we live in a culture that really glorifies like grinding and working and working all day and And just like, it's like, that might not always be what's right for you. Yeah. And notice that your stress is so high, your blood pressure's up and your health is going down. Clearly something isn't working and you need to make a change. Yeah. I think a lot of people in the industry are starting to make those um, realizations and are just leaving. Like you said, you, it was just quitting was the answer. Um, but I think that's where we need to do a better job of, um, making the career a little bit more sustainable. I have, you don't even necessarily need to quit the career, but sometimes like quitting, like if you have one client that drains the fuck out of you, (laughs) quit that client, like, you know, it's like, I, I had some clients where when I was younger, I was like, I need, I need to coach them. I need to make more money. Da, da, da. But eventually I got to the point where I was like, fuck this, this one client ruins my entire day done. Yeah. Like I'm firing you. Like, and when you work in a service industry, that shit happens. So, so I, I think the idea of quitting in our culture is very taboo. Like we're not supposed to quit. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I think some of the best, the best people in the world, they quit. 
They just, they know how to quit. They're very good at quitting. And what, they know when to quit. They know when to quit. Exactly. Yeah. There's a great book called The Dip uh, by Seth Godin, all about the whole the old the old adage like quitters never win and winners never quit. It's false. The people who are the most successful, they know when to quit. They know when it's worth it. And like it's that's what firing someone is. Like you're quitting. Like fuck, you're done. You're out. Yeah. You're, you're a parasite in my life. You are draining me. Like done. Out. Quit. Like I'll find something else. So the, when you can realize, hey, it's okay to quit certain things if it's not serving you anymore, it'll uh, it will definitely help your stress. Yeah, that it's like when you wake up and you you know you have that one person that day and you're like, oh shit, like I'm this is my day's ruined already and I haven't worst. even gotten out of bed. <laughs> it's the worst. You know, like every minute of it. It's not just the hour you're with them. It's when you wake up, you look at your schedule, you see their name, they're fucking texting you, emailing you. Like just thinking about it makes your stomach squirrel. Yeah. The Ooh. night before, can't sleep. Or like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Fuck that. Not worth it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. I have one last question and I know you probably hear this a lot. Um, the whole idea of strength training, making you bulky. Um, you probably hear this a lot with women that you train, but it's interesting in golf. There's people are now like the pros they're hitting it farther. Cause they're, they're in the gym, they're squatting, they're deadlifting all that stuff. Right. Um, but people in the golf industry don't want to lift because it's going to make them bulky. Right. Where I say it's going to make you stronger and you're going to hit the ball further. Can you disprove that bulky thing that people yeah. have in their mind <laughs> i mean good luck getting too bulky that's uh, i was like like that's yeah <laughs> it's not that easy like trust me if it was like that would be amazing uh you're not going to get too bulky it's going to improve your performance it's going to reduce the amount of pain that you have um i mean the way I, I frame it is let's look at some of the strongest athletes in the world when, when people hear strength training oftentimes when they're not in the strength industry they're image goes to bodybuilders. They hear strength training. They think Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is why people always say like, well, I don't want to look like Arnold. I'm like, yeah, good fucking luck. Don't worry. You're not trust yeah. me. Um, <laughs> you need a lot of drugs and you would need an unbelievable amount of time to spend in the gym, uh, and a ridiculous pain tolerance to like actually get that big, but you're not and, and crazy genetics. Um, but when I think of some of the most strong athletes in the world, the first ones are gymnasts. And like, let's look at gymnasts, like whether the men or the women, not only are, are they not like huge and bulky, but they're unbelievably flexible and mobile. They are super strong. Like the strongest athletes in the world are gymnasts without questions. Mm -hmm. They can hold their body up in an iron cross with their arms out to either side. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> planche push-ups. Have you never seen a planche push-up? No, I, I saw you put it on your story today, though. That's, yes, yeah. a push-up with no legs. It's literally your legs are in the air and you're holding yourself up just on two hands. Like, talk about strength. Are you fucking kidding me? That's, it's like, it's like out of a cartoon or a, it's crazy. So, and, and you look at the women, like the women gymnasts are tiny. They like they're absolutely tiny. They're strong. They're stronger than I am, but they're tiny. We could also look at like figure skaters, like uh, pairs figure skating. You see figure skaters hold, never mind the shit they're doing on ice skates. Like that's just yeah. blows my mind. They're also picking people up over their head with one arm and fucking smiling, making it look easy. It's like, 
Good. Try and pick up anyone next to you, the lightest person you know, and hold them overhead, like on ice skates. On, on, on <laughs> don't even do it on ice skates. Just do it on the ground. Do it on grass. See how well you do, and try and smile. Try and pick up a hundred pound person overhead with one arm. Good luck. Never mind on ice skates and smiling at the same time. Yeah. And like the amount of strength that that takes. But how many bulky ice skaters do you figure skate? Like you don't, they're, they're all Google, Google image search, Google image search, ice skaters, Google image search gymnasts. Like they're not big and bulky, but they're the strongest athletes in the world. And it's because they know how to strength train to help improve their performance. So strength training in general is not going to make you bulky. And if you're golfing all the time, like (laughs) you're, you're not going to be getting bulky. No, yeah. Like spend 30 minutes in the gym, basic strength training, get stronger with your squats and your deadlifts and your pushups and your rows, lunges, hip thrusts, all that. Like you're good. You, you're not going to get bulky. I promise. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. I think I don't, like you said, people just go straight to the, the bodybuilder image in their head. And it's like, you can get so much, um, more distance and speed. If you, if you squat and deadlift and do all the the big lifts, because I was talking about this with my dad too, earlier, um, ground force is what we use to Mm. pick up speed and distance and all that stuff. And it can increase significantly if you are in the gym getting stronger and some people just don't want to believe it. (laughs) You know, there, there was a big issue with that in the jujitsu world as well. For a long time in jujitsu, people were saying, uh, strength doesn't matter. Just technique matters. And like, and, and as the person with the better technique will, will win. It's like, well, now that we have more jujitsu athletes, actually strength training, we're finding two people of the same skill, the stronger one wins. Yeah. Like you have, I, listen, I'm no golf expert, but I would imagine if you have a stronger drive and you can get the ball further and closer to that hole. So you have fewer actual strokes to get that ball in the fucking hole. You're probably going to win. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> You want to no get as on golf, but like the longer drive, the better. Exactly. Yeah. As long as it doesn't go long into the woods, but yeah, yeah. long and long and straight. will will get you far. Yeah. <laughs> so that is all I have for you. Thank you so much for coming on birdie bitch. I hope you enjoyed and hope you it's enjoy the pleasure. name. <laughs> I would love to be on birdie bitch again. Uh, this was great. You're an incredible host. I hope it was helpful. And thank you oh, so yeah. much. Thank you.